there. <laughs> Look at there. Look at there. Good morning and welcome to episode 442 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from BaseballPerspectus.com, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. Uh, I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Uh, it's a new week. Ben, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Uh, I understand you've brought banter. Just a quick one. Uh, we talked last week about sliding head first and whether it's advisable when we were talking about the the different levels of hustle and which ones we would advise players not to do. So I, I came down, came out against sliding head first, not just, not just as a, a form of hustle, but just as a form of, of technique, um, because it seems like it's a way that you can hurt yourself. And so there was an item that I came across after that about the Astros uh, telling their players not to slide head first anymore. So Apparently, Bo Porter is uh, he is avoid he is against it, and and George Springer is a head first slider. He has slid head first throughout his entire minor league career, and he has slid head first a few times early on in his major league career. And uh, Porter said, "I don't like head first slides. It just exposes too much of your body, and you can get fingers and hands hurt." I really don't like head first slides. Players, for whatever reason, guys get like to slide head first. It's more of a knee jerk thing. As far as their sliding technique, it's something that I really don't like. And he, so he he told Springer to stop doing it or to try to stop doing it. And Springer had a, a very ambivalent statement about it, I guess, or he was ambivalent. The statement was ambiguous. He said, it's an instinct to slide head first. I have to respect Bo and assert myself as a player and try to do everything I can to not get hurt. Obviously, sliding head first has its risks. I'm not going to be conscious of it when I'm playing. I'm just going to play, and if the situation says I have to slide head first, I will, but I'm going to try not to do it. <laughs> so. uh, assert, assert myself as a player is an interesting baseball yeah. phrase. Um, so he's, he's going to try, but if he does it, he does it, and he'll think about it, and he'll he'll give it a shot, but he's not going to try that hard. I will say this, that um, every year uh, during the offseason, I do the year in slides, mm. and uh, I watch every slide that gets... Uh, that gets, um, well, any slide that makes it into MLB uh, he- uh, highlights, which is, uh, you know, it, it, it's usually around 1,000. And um, uh, one of the interesting things about these slides is that there, it is a, an under-appreciated under, uh, skill, the ability to avoid a tag while you're sliding. There are certain players, and I'm not talking about, you know, the kind of classic hook slide. I mean, like, the guys who simply move their hand at the last second and dodge the tag, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. the the glove is down. And you can't really do that feet first. So there there are probably, like, uh, you know, I could see, I, I want to say Jose Reyes is good at this. Uh, I might be wrong about that. But uh, th- probably the the speed that you gain going head first is maybe not worth it. But uh, thinking about it, the, the ability to dodge a tag might come in handy. Like, in, in a high enough leverage situation, uh, I could see. I, I'm sympathetic to George Springer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess is what I'm saying. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it does give you more flexibility. 
Yeah, and we talked about how maybe it's an instinctive thing, and maybe you can't just stop doing it all of a sudden. And his statement seems to suggest that. Although I'm sure if you know if Bo Porter said you slide head first again and you'll be back in the minor leagues the next day, which would not be a, a good idea for him to do. But if he did do that, I bet that would work. Uh, if I learned anything from 1980s baseball, if they uh, they should just sew front pockets on their pants and put vials of cocaine <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the front, mm-hmm. and then everybody would slide. <laughs> right. <laughs> there is... There is also a play today, Sunday, we talked about diving or, or running into the wall also as a form of hustle. So there was a play on Sunday where Puig went into the wall, but it wasn't wasn't your garden variety wall collision. It was it was the highest leverage wall collision that you can have in a game on May 4th. It was 4-4 in the bottom of the ninth, and the Marlins had a runner on first. And there was a ball that was hit to the wall in right field, and Puig crashed into the wall, and he's now day-to-day, and he tested negative for a concussion, but he was pointing to various parts of his body that were hurting him. But it was it was a case where either he was going to catch the ball or the game was going to be over, which it was because he didn't catch the ball. But in that in that case, generally I'm against running into walls if you can possibly help it. And if there were a player who habitually ran into walls, I would be less likely to acquire him than I would be otherwise. But but that seems like a case where, you know, bottom of the ninth, uh, and if you don't catch the ball, it's the end of the game. Even if it's May, I can't fault a player for doing that. Uh, did you see the Ken Rosenthal thing uh, a few days ago? He interviewed Jeff Luno, uh, the Astros GM, about a few topics, and one of the things that came up was the the shift. Yeah, about whether they're doing it just to gain information. Yeah, that was fascinating. That yeah. was uh, an interesting kind of accusation that, yes. the, that the Astros are essentially playing this season <laughs> like a think tank, right. basically. Like, they don't actually care about, like, like they're just collecting information so that they can make better decisions <laughs> some year in the future, which is, if true, would just be taking the, uh, the idea of... Um, you know, marginal wins or whatever to like this total extreme, yeah. like, like the, the level of competition really would mean nothing at all, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> this year, but they denied it. Um, but that leads into a, a quick piece of banter I have, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, Martin Maldonado pitched, uh, for the Brewers, Martin Maldonado, mm-hmm. backup catcher pitched for the Brewers, uh, late last week, I want to say Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and it was a nine, three game. Mm-hmm. And so I was, fairly shocked. I, I mean, I wanted to tweet something about it, but I couldn't really believe my eyes. And even though the announcers kept saying it I, and the box score said it, I was like, 9-3. I, I must be misunderstood. He must just be warming in the bullpen or something, right? Because mm-hmm. that's only a six-run game. Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, you know, Dan Rosenson uh, wrote in his scouting report uh, after the fact of Martin Maldonado as a pitcher Mm -hmm. uh, that of the uh, 55 position player plate appearances since 2005 that weren't in extra innings. So basically the the team wasn't forced to use a position player as a pitcher by a lack of lack of pitchers. Um, Only two were uh, were six run leads Mm -hmm. and uh, none in at least the last decade. Uh, has been fewer than six innings. The, there's one example that was, but that was a, a, a extenuating circumstances, so it doesn't really yes. count. Um, so basically, I just wanted to know, uh, 
I'm fine with, um, you know, fine. The Brewers, uh, they were short on pitchers and they saved a pitcher. Six runs is, uh, you know, it's a pretty safe deficit uh, to concede. But um, do you do you have any issue? I guess I guess what I'm I, I'm going to start winding down the numbers. Uh, where would you have an issue with a manager doing this? Because uh, if I mean, baseball does seem to have uh, accepted the idea that uh, you should save your resources for when the wins matter. Uh, in, as in the Astros case, that can be for an entire four-season stretch. Uh, but in some cases, you know, you pull your players uh, in a blowout. That's not It's not uncommon to pull your regulars in a blowout. Um, so what if it were four runs? What if managers mm. just basically decided four runs were not worth trying? Like if it were the sixth inning and they were down five and they just conceded, they just pulled all their regulars as a matter of course, would that bother you? I mean, is there a point where it would bother you, and, and is that point uh, necessarily the same as the win expectancy would, would you know, the, the kind of risk management of, um, of win expectancy would lead you to, or do you think that managers have some obligation to at least, um, you know, keep up appearances more mm-hmm. so than logic might tell them to? I'm, I'm okay with, with the six runs down at the end of the game, because it doesn't, sound great it doesn't look great although Maldonado looked pretty good he did it wasn't really necessarily your typical position player pitcher he was he was above average for a position player pitcher and Dan raved about his his slider right um and uh so that's kind of okay because if you actually look at the numbers and the percentage, the probability that a team will come back from a six-run deficit at whatever point of the game that was, it's extremely rare. But I was not okay with the the one we saw earlier this year when, uh, who was it, Lairs uh, Garcia with the White Sox pitched in extra innings in a tie game. And that that one to me was, and, and again, there were circumstances, obviously it got to that point because Ventura had used his entire bullpen, and he'd used Daniel Webb for three innings, I think, at that point already. So it came down to either push Webb to a fourth inning or start using your starters. I think I, I would have used a starter at that point because looking at the the history of position players pitching in extra innings in close games and tie games, it's pretty much like just conceding the game. It's almost yeah. it's close to a forfeit. It, yeah. Teams that do that almost always lose, and you know that's that that to me is a little bit too far. If you get to that point, and of course, you can't really look back and say, well, he should have known that they could have a 14 inning game. He shouldn't have used. He used, I think, four relievers in the eighth inning. Just you know, faced one batter, two batters each. And so, I guess in general, I'm against that sort of extreme matchup stuff, especially if. If there's any chance that it's going to lead to a utility infielder pitching in a tie game, and not even that deep into a tie game, 14th inning was earlier than most of the previous cases in which that had happened. So, so that is too much for me. I guess in a in a regular regulation game, uh, I wouldn't want to see it. Probably, probably like five runs is the least. Is the that I'd be okay with with that probably. Yeah, I mean, when you in the Garcia example, it sounds like what you're saying is that that you think that Ventura made the wrong decision strategically. That he yeah. he gave up. He basically gave up. A, you know, a, 
a 50, more or less a 50% chance of winning a game mm-hmm. so that he could save his starter the next day, which right. probably doesn't gain you as much. And so that, you know, that's a, that, that logically that is, uh, you know, he probably, he probably made the wrong call. And you're saying that logically you would have made the right call, which I understand. But I'm saying like if Tango had a post tomorrow saying that uh, from the eighth inning on, uh, mathematically, statistically, you should not use a uh, major league pitcher down by three. Like if, if, if he if he mm-hmm. showed that mathematically it's it's a waste of a pitcher mm-hmm. uh, when you're down by three, and that you should just always bring in your backup catcher at that point, or you should just you know never go with a pitcher that you could conceivably care about. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't that still kind of I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm saying is is there if hypothetically that were true. Would it be acceptable for managers to to just punt games that regularly? Do you have a problem with punting games that uh, to the people who you know paid and who are watching might still be drawing some entertainment from? Because if if they're drawing some entertainment from it, do do you have any obligation to that guy who well, who is deluded enough to think that that his team might come back? Of course, the position player pitching is always is more the, entertaining, most, the yeah. most entertaining thing they can. But it wouldn't be for long. But right, but yeah, it's a different kind of entertainment. Um, I mean, it's just it's like the last guy in the bullpen is always so replaceable. It seems like you could. You could, I mean, on how many teams do you think the the last guy, the seventh guy or whatever it is in a bullpen at any one time is measurably better than your best reliever at AAA? Or... Yeah, but, but the last guy in the bullpen pitched in the fifth. That's why we got to this point uh-huh. in, in the game. I'd rather see I'd rather see the position player pitch than ask a starter to do something that he doesn't typically do when the game is already out of hand. You know, well, it it wasn't that though. I mean, it, it they they only used three relievers in this game, and one of them was Maldonado. Yeah. So they used Wong for three, so that's the last guy in the bullpen. And then they used Duke, and then they just basically wanted to reset their bullpen. They they'd used their bullpen a lot recently, and they wanted to reset. But I mean, they could have gotten if they'd wanted to, they could have gotten an inning out of, you know, Kinsler or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Eh, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't mind it. Maybe yeah. I'd mind it if I were a Brewers fan, but I don't mind yeah. it. I don't mind it at six. I'm, I'm more wondering if five would do it or four would do it or mm-hmm. I don't know. Six, I kind of mind it at six, I guess. I guess I brought it up because I kind. Anyway, uh, onto the topic. Mm-hmm. Onto the topic of the day. Um, uh, it was uh, just about a year ago uh, this week that we did our. Uh, was it our first draft? I think it might have been. We did a draft of uh, under twenty-five pitchers. Uh, ben found uh, the 24 pitchers at the time who were under 25 had worked exclusively as starters that year um, and qualified for the ERA title up to that point. And he and I uh, alternated picks and uh, decided that at the end of five years, whoever, uh, whoever, uh, whoever had more warp, more warp from uh, his team, uh, I guess what got the rights to effectively wild for the nationwide tour with a, uh-huh. uh, with a band of, uh, yeah. of uh, replacements. Um, As always, there were no stakes except our pride. And uh, John Chenier uh, has been keeping track of it at, at the moment. It, it actually has tightened up. You were running away mm. with it for a while. But uh, thanks to Kershaw's injury this year and Matt Moore's injury this year, um, it, it's, uh, it's now 20 warp to 18 warp. So mm. that's actually pretty close. We, and I've got four years to, to pick up some ground. On the other hand... Uh, looking at the rosters, it looks to me clearly like you have the better team. 
Jose Fernandez is basically my one great pick. And uh, you've got a couple that I think were pretty great, like Chris Sale, uh, ninth overall, I believe, is a great pick. And uh, Willie Peralta, second from the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, just just before I got stuck with Vance Worley and Alex Zanabia, <laughs> yeah. uh, is a great pick. So anyway, um, we're it's a year later, and there's actually, believe it or not, a whole new group of under 25 players. Uh, tw- there are, once again, 24 of them who are uh, under 25 have only started this year, qualify for the ERA title, and were not picked last year. Mm-hmm. And so Ben and I are going to do round two. And uh, I guess the question is, are we tacking these on, or is this a whole new tab on John's spreadsheet? Double or nothing. I'm not sure. It's double or nothing. <laughs> I don't so that know what that not... means, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Separate, separate thing, I think. Separate thing, all right. Yeah. Uh, and just uh, in case anybody's wondering... Um, I have here the standings for all of our bets, uh, all of our drafts and, and various challenges uh, mm-hmm. that John's been keeping track of. Um, the minor league free agents one. Did do you look have, at this? Do we have anyone who's playing right now? We don't. Oh, <laughs> we, <man. laughs> we each drafted 10 minor league free agents, and it was going to be, uh, what, plate appearances? Yes, person with most plate appearances. That's it. It didn't yeah. matter how good or bad the plate appearances were. Most plate appearances wins. And we have yet to get a plate appearance. Uh, we have, you have uh, three free agents, four AAA, Korea, Japan, retired. <laughs> <laughs> and I have uh, one free agent, seven AAA, Mexico, Korea. <laughs> so I hope uh, one of us just wins with one plate appearance and the other one just has zero. Might happen. Uh, under 25, I said we did the under 90 mile per hour rotations last year, and Harry uh, Pavlidis drafted with us, and I'm getting crushed. I'm below replacement level. You're slightly above two warp from your five pitchers, uh, and, and Harry is at, at about a half a win, but he's he might be zero after Tyler Skaggs uh, start today. Uh, we have uh, how many home runs over the next years will next five years will uh, Jacoby Ellsbury hit? Mm-hmm. Uh, you said 50. I took the over. He's got one <laughs> <laughs> since September 5th. So yeah. two, two full months of play. <laughs> and you can find uh, you can find all of the, the the various drafts and which teams we picked on the files section of the Effectively Wild Facebook group. I should also I should link link to the the Google Doc where this stuff is being updated. Also, yeah, you should. Uh, who will win Comeback Player of the Year award in 2014? Mm-hmm. My my first pick was Albert Pujols. Mm. Nice. Mine so was Matt Kemp, Kemp, right? Yours was Matt Kemp, and then you also picked Teixeira and Sabathia, and I picked Jeter and Beckett. So, so far, it looks like there's only one one useful name out of those six, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, how many of the next five postseasons will include the Pirates? Uh, I said zero. You said two. Of course, it's way too early mm-hmm. to start drawing any conclusions. And I won the all-bang all no bang for your buck team oh, of yeah. last year. Uh, it was a massacre, we tried, right? We tried to draft the worst possible teams with a minimum of a two hundred million dollar payroll, and I, yeah, I won by seventeen wins. Trust so <laughs> you. All right. Uh, all right. So, uh, so here we go. Um, <laughs> we're gonna draft, and because you picked first last year, I get to pick first this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, uh, and tell me if I pick your pick, and I'll tell you if you picked my pick. Uh, but I'll, I'll take Michael Walker. Huh, really? Okay. Uh, you did not take my pick. No. I will take 
Giordano Ventura. Oh wow, that's not that would not have been my pick either. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I, I mean, I like him. He might have been sec- in top four, but uh-huh. uh, I'll take uh, uh, I'll take uh, Tanaka. Okay, and I will take Garrett Cole. That would have been my next pick, and mm-hmm. I I hesitated primarily because I thought about taking him. Yeah, there. I had Cole and Tanaka basically even. Uh, uh, all right, I will take um, Zach Wheeler. Yeah, that would be mine. Um, I will take Sunny Gray. That would have been mine. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'm going to take. Um, Gosh, I think I'll take Tony Singrani. Hmm. All right. I don't really like anybody at this point. This was a that was just a tier. That's we just we just fell off a tier. I felt like I liked everyone on this list. It, it was. Well, I like everybody enough, yeah. but to um, me, it's a big drop off after Gray. Yeah, I I I probably would have had Singrani around here, except that he's hurt right now, um, mm-hmm. and not necessarily anything serious. But I bumped him down a bit for that. I will take Danny Salazar. Mm-hmm. It's off to not such a great start, but I like him. Very, yeah, very poor start. Um, I'll take uh, Chris Archer, mm-hmm. who Pakota hates, but I like. Yeah. Um, all right. I'll take hmm, Martin Perez. Interesting. Good. Uh, good enough. I. Um, I like Martin Paris. I, I know. As you know. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I will take um, Julio Tehran. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm going to take... Mm, all right. I'm going to take, I think, Nathan Ivaldi. Okay. Um, and we. I think we... Because I have a little something planned at the end, I think we'll be able to talk about some of these picks uh, okay. at the end. Um, I'll take uh, Alex Wood. Hmm. All right. I will take Rick Porcello. Uh-huh. Who uh, was only undrafted last year who uh, on a technicality. He had somehow managed, I think, one relief appearance early in the year when they were like, they didn't need a fifth starter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people asked. Mm-hmm. Last year, why we didn't. Uh, all right, so I could see a bunch of different ways to go here. Um, I guess I'll go with... Um, this is the part that... This is, this is why drafts are so popular. Yes. This is the part where I start doing this <laughs> for a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to draft... Uh, gosh, I guess I'll take... I guess I'll take Tyler Skaggs. Yeah, he was mine. Next one. Uh, okay. Where's my list? There it is. I'll take Henderson Alvarez. That would have been my next. I, that is who I was hemming mm-hmm. over just mm-hmm. then. Um, okay. I'll take... Um, I, guess, I guess I'll take Dan Straley. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think... I think I'll take Henry Mejia. Okay. Um, I'll take Drew Hutchison. Mm-hmm. Um, 
All right, this one, uh, I think I'm going to take a guy that I wasn't that high on coming into the year, Jordan Lyles. Ah, okay. <laughs> was he, uh, he was yours? Eh, I was kind of thinking about it. Uh-huh. Um, I talked myself into him la- yeah. over the off over the off season. I'll Lots take of grounders Jared, this year. Jared Cozart. Mm-hmm. I will take Robbie Ross. And I will take. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will take. Uh, you're. You know. You left this guy because you don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> <laughs> I figured out how to pronounce half of it. Uh, Roanis. Elias? Elias. Elias? Mm-hmm. Elias? Elias. And that makes me the proud owner of Brett Olberholzer. All right. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you look. Did you look did you look at Pakoda at all for this? No. I would have I would have liked to spend hours preparing for this, but I didn't have time. So no, I didn't I didn't really consult a whole lot of anything. Yeah, so I I got the five year uh, Pakoda projections for each of them, mm-hmm. um, and there's some interesting contradictions between our picks and and Pakoda's. Um, this is Pakoda's ranking of them: uh, Waka, Tanaka, Singrani, Skaggs, Wheeler, Cole, Wood, Straley, Ventura, way down there, Sunny Gray, way down there, Danny Salazar, Hutchison. Archer, which struck me as very low. Tehran, which struck me as low. Cozart, Elias, Elias? Elias. Elias. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Lyles, Alvarez, (laughs) Porcello. Back to that. I thought we'd conquered that one. (laughs) It's been a while uh, since I've had to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oberholzer, uh, Ross, Ivaldi, Perez, Hmm. second from the bottom, and Mejia. Hmm. So there's some surprises there uh, by Pakoda standards. I mean, Perez particularly low. Ivaldi is Ivaldi. I actually I thought I'd get him in this. Ivaldi. I I mean I don't know how to not like Ivaldi. Like yeah. I don't I don't know I can't I I don't know what angle I'm supposed to be looking at him <laughs> that I don't like him. Out of these 24 pitchers, he's got the highest strike rate of any of them this year. He's got the lowest FIP. Of any of them this year, and he probably has the high, the highest average fastball. I would think so. Yeah, he's probably him or Cole. Well, no, Ventura would. He's got oh, right, yeah, but he's he's about at the top of the list of everyone, not just under twenty five starters. Yeah, so. exactly. So I I genuinely don't understand a why he's not better, mm-hmm. but um, I guess oh, he's given that good. he hasn't, yeah, he's been good good this year. But mm-hmm. given that he hasn't been better, I guess I can see why Dakota doesn't love him. But I don't know. It seems like everybody should love him. Um, Alvarez is a guy that I can talk myself into or out of on any given day. He mm-hmm. seems seems like there's this whole group of pitchers right now who have um, like great fastballs and no strikeouts. Mm-hmm. You know, like I guess they're not great fastballs, but like a lot of velocity, and mm-hmm. they just throw these like you know a lot of times they just throw these 94, 95 mile an hour sinkers. Yeah. And uh, that, it, like, if you knew only one thing about a pitcher and it was that, you'd be all weren't, all over him. Weren't you planning to write about those guys? I was. I mm. was. Uh, Carlos Salas, Martinez is another one of those guys. I always think uh-huh. he'll yeah. look at his strikeout rate and it'll yeah. be, like, 14 like or something. And it's like, yeah, it's like seven. Uh, Danny Salazar, probably the guy who has fallen the most 
since opening day mm-hmm. for me on this list. Yeah, and I don't know how much a guy should fall or gain uh, at this point after a month, but I guess if you're under 25, more than more than most. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I think if we'd done this opening week, he might have been top you know four or five, probably five. Um, and Pakoda is crazy bullish on Skaggs, and uh, I don't really see it, but I think he'll probably you know throw 900 innings over the next five years, yeah. which is better than a lot of the guys on here. So mm-hmm. Tanaka, we didn't have a. Actually, I'm sorry, I said Tanaka number two. Uh, Tanaka, we actually don't have a a, project, a projection, a five year projection for Tanaka. Mm-hmm. So I just made something up. Um, so forget that. And uh, Ross, who's near the bottom, uh, and was pitching very well until this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, his uh, bullpen projection, so it doesn't really count. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, I I liked almost all of those pitchers. It wasn't like it. I seem to recall at the end of last year's draft, I was kind of right. holding my nose and like, all right, I'll it's take Jeff Marley. Locke. I'll take Vince Worley if I need to, but. But this time, really, until we got to Brett Olberholzer, I was pretty, <laughs> was pretty happy about everything. I I like almost everybody. I don't like El- <laughs> Elias. Elias. Uh-huh. I don't like Elias. Uh-huh. I I uh, he he I I watched a start of his earlier this year, and it was he did fine. He survived it, but it was one of the least impressive pitching performances i've seen i mean he looked horrible to me um and so because of that i haven't really paid much more attention to him since and i don't find myself caring to but otherwise you're right i mean there's there's something to to talk about with everybody on here i guess at this point i don't really like straley as much i i was high on straley a year ago and i'm low on him now Mm -hmm. um but otherwise yeah it's an interesting group it's more it's a more fun group than it was last year but um not nearly the upside as last year i would draft these guys elbow surgeons over any one of them individually they're collective they're collective surgeons Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) because they're gonna have surgery yes sadly Mm -hmm. all right all right well so now we have something else to pay attention to Mm -hmm. uh so maybe someone will write this down for us that'd be great if you can and add it to the the files section of the facebook group or maybe one of us will do it um, all right, so send us emails for Wednesday at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. And please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to baseballreference.com, use the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30, the bargain price of $30 on a one year subscription to the Play Index. Three, two, one. Ben. Uh, were we or were we not recording? We were. We are. Okay, so if we were recording, and I mean, I know it's silly that I require you to count me down even though we're recording. Like, I know that that's odd. But mm-hmm. but since, given that it's a completely pointless countdown that you're doing, why do you still put in the false drama of three, <laughs> two, one? I'm usually preparing in some way and i'm trying to eat at the last second that i can get without making you mad <laughs>